And God's people said, amen, amen. Well, Rosewood Church of the Nazarene family here in the sanctuary and radio listeners, it is my privilege to introduce to you today our speaker, Reverend Dr. William Stewart. Give him a warm welcome, would you? Amen. Reverend Stewart was the minister of our Main Street Church of the Nazarene in the late 70s. He pastored our mother church. Main Street is our mother church. It's the congregation that gave birth to us. And essentially, if it were not for Dr. Stewart, we would not exist today because it was his vision along with the support and, uh, and cooperation of his wife, Rita, and their Main Street family. It was because of their vision that Rosewood Church got started in November of 1979. And I want you to also know that Dr. Stewart has written some excellent books. I bought a, a group of them right here, and I'm going to ask him to just briefly tell you a little bit about them, wonderful books that can be a blessing to you. <clears throat> so I want to ask his wife, Rita, wherever she is, if she would just stand. She is over here somewhere. There she is. Okay. God bless you, Sister Rita. We're so glad to see you with us in the Lord's house today. So church family, would you rise? Give a warm welcome to Dr. and Mrs. Stewart. Would you rise? Express our appreciation for all that they've done for our church across the years. Amen. 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 Dr. Stewart, praise God. Praise God. Start by telling us. Tell us about uh, some of your wonderful books, okay? <clears throat> well, thank you, Pastor Nick. And it really is, a, it's always a thrill for, uh, for Rita and me to be here in Rosewood, to sense the spirit and the atmosphere of the church, to renew fellowship with your great pastor, Pastor Nick, and the team. So I thank you for this uh, invitation to be here. I am enjoying this service and getting to meet you. Uh, Pastor Nick mentioned about the books, the book tables there. Go and have a look at it. It was set up for the district assembly, and he said we just keep it there and uh, use it on Sunday morning. Two books uh, on the table that I think you might be uh, particularly interested in. They are the newer books. One is called A Journey into Wisdom. And uh, as you can understand from the name, it, it indicates that Wisdom is a thing that's mentioned a lot in the Bible. We don't hear too much about it these days, and I think it would be good for Christians to take a journey into wisdom. So that book is there. Also, by the way, I submitted that book to the Word Guild uh, in their competition and got the award for books in that category. So that's an award-winning book. The other, the other book is just a new publication published uh, this year, and it's called The Dynamic Trio. The Dynamic Trio is faith, hope, and love. 
and how these things meld and merge into our lives to make a dynamic influence in how we live for the Lord. The book is written around the story of a young lady called Allison, whose life had gone astray, but under the influence of Christian people and experiencing the power of hope and faith and love, her life was turned around. You'll enjoy that book, so please uh, check it out. If you've come to church and you don't have any money there, uh, just take the books you want and write your name and we'll catch up with you somehow. Thank you. <clears throat> this morning, I thought I would invite your attention to a verse in Paul's letter to the Philippians, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7. It says this, The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Beautiful word. Let me read them for you again. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. You know, if I had one wish for you this morning, do you know what that wish would be? My wish would be that you would be a person of peace Amen. who knows what it is to have the peace of God in your heart and in your mind. With all that that implies, that is one of the richest and finest things that I could wish for you. And I'm not the only one who wishes peace for you. The Apostle Paul is constantly wishing the peace of God on his people. If I could give you a little homework to do, I'd encourage you to go home this afternoon and take your Bible and read just the first two or three verses of all of the letters that Paul wrote to the churches. And in every one of them, you will read words something like this. Grace and peace be unto you from God the Father. Paul's great wish was that his Christian people would experience the peace of God. There's nothing better I could wish for you than for you as a person to know the peace of God in your heart and in your mind. With all that implies, this is the richest and the fullest and the most abundant experience you could have for the people of God to be a people 
of peace. So let's talk about peace. What is it? How do you get it? And how do you maintain it? What is peace? The first thing I want you to know about it is that peace is a combination of a number of things. There is no single little pill that's called a peace pill. And if you take it, you'll have peace. Peace is a combination of things. It's, it's like water. Water is made up of two parts of hydrogen, one part of oxygen, and when you get that proper combination of H2O, you've got water. But it needs that combination. If you only have one part hydrogen, you don't have water. If you don't have any oxygen, you don't have water. Water is a combination of hydrogen and oxygen. So the peace of God is a combination of things. It's a result of a lifestyle. It's the result of a pattern of living. And when the combination comes together as fittingly and correctly, then you have peace. I'd like you to think of peace as, as like a coin. You just have one coin, but two sides to it. You have a head and you have a tail. And so the peace of God is like a coin. It has, it has a negative side and it has a positive side. Negatively, peace means there is an absence of conflict. Conflict isn't there. Our country of Canada is said to be at peace when it is not fighting some war someplace uh, in the world. So the peace of God in your heart and mind means there is an absence of conflict. If you have hatred, jealousy, greed, bitterness, waging war in your heart, then you are not at peace. If you are consciously disobeying God so that your will is in conflict with his will, then you are not at peace. If you are at war with your own conscience so that you are living in a way that you know is wrong, there is no peace. Peace comes from the absence of conflict. Absence of conflict towards God, towards other people, toward yourself. But peace as a coin also has a positive side. You turn it over and it's positive and 
peace has a positive thing. It is a positive presence. You are aware of being at peace. You feel it. You know it. Peace is an inner sense of well-being and rest. Peace is an inner awareness of harmony and oneness. Peace is the conscious awareness that things have come together and are fitting, and the result is peace. When you listen to a good orchestra play and they produce good music, the good music comes be is produced because there is an absence of discord. If there were discords there, it would spoil it all. But good music is more than just the absence of discord. It is the presence, the coming together, the combination of a number of different items and a number of different qualities that come together to make beauty and harmony. So peace is the absence of hostility, but it is the positive presence of certain qualities that have come together into a harmonious spirit and atmosphere in your heart and life. So I wish for you more than anything else the peace of God Amen. in Amen. your heart and in your mind. So what elements must come together to make that peace? Let's look at the, the verse that we read because it gives us some indications there of the elements that have to come together, the nature of this peace. First of all, notice, it says it is the peace of God. Involved in this peace is God, an essential element in the production of peace is the presence of God in your life. If you want to exclude him, if you want to keep him at a distance, if you want to make very little reference to him and how you live, you will not be at peace. This is the peace of God, one of the harmonies that come together for you to be a person of peace is harmony with God. You're at harmony with him so that his will is in harmony with your will, that his presence is right there in your heart and mind. And if he's excluded, if he's unwelcome in your heart and mind, then you are not a person of peace. For God says this peace comes to us from God. It's not a peace that you can generate yourself. It's not a peace that you can have if everything's going right in your life and all your problems are solved and your mortgage is paid and, and you're in good health and so you'll be at peace. 
It's, it's more than that. It is the peace of God in your heart and soul, and God's peace is there with you. You must be right with him, in harmony with him. Then the other thing you notice from these verses about this peace, and very important, is I want you to notice the location of the peace. It is peace in your heart and peace in your mind. That's a pretty limited geography. It's not peace for everything. We're not promising here peace between the nations. They're going to keep fighting and squabbling till Jesus comes. Not even peace between the races, not even peace between government and governed. Not only, it's not even peace in the church, although that would be very desirable. It does not even promise peace in the family. What it's talking about here is peace in your heart and in your mind. It is an intensely personal thing. It is deeply internal. When you stop to think about it, your heart and your mind is about the only part of the universe that, that you and I have very much influence over. There's an awful lot of things going on and incidents that are happening that, that over which we have no influence. We can't influence the nations. If the nations decide to go to war, we don't have much influence to stop it. We don't have, even have much influence over other people. Other people are going to make decisions and set standards that we might disagree with. Other people may act uh, uh, with greed and other people may stir up trouble. And, you know, we cannot control what other people decide. So we can't control that. There's all kinds of things that come into our life from the weather and floods and fires to, to sickness and, and, and disasters, all kinds of things that happen to us in our lives over which we have no control. But we do have a measure of control over what happens in our hearts and in our minds. And that's where the peace of God can reign, Amen. in your heart and in your mind. I think that's maybe why Paul the Apostle said, it's, it's a peace that passeth all understanding. It, it, it's not kind of rational. You can't sit down and figure this thing out. It's, it's uh, a peace that can be there even in the midst of conflict and in the midst of difficulties and in the midst of confusion. 
even though many events are happening in your life that, that are disturbing you, you can live in the midst of that with peace in your heart and in your mind. You may have heard the story of H.B. Uh, Spafford. He was a fairly prosperous businessman, lived in the 1800s in Chicago, Illinois. And uh, he was living a good life. God was prospering him. He acquired a number of properties in downtown Chicago, and he became quite rich. He lived out in the suburbs. He had a, a happy marriage with a good wife and a family. And everything was going well for H.P. Spafford. Until one day, out of his control, there was a great fire swept through downtown Chicago. And many of his properties and some of his businesses were destroyed. He suffered significant financial and business loss. And in the midst of this turmoil, he thought, I think it would be good if I took my family away from the pressure and got them away from the stress, and we had a, a holiday in England. So he booked up on a boat, a ship, to take him and the family England. When they got to New York to embark on the boat, a telegram came for H.P. Spafford saying some situations had arisen that need his attention and need them urgently. So he put his wife and family on the boat and he went back to Chicago. The news he got was that that boat got into trouble in a storm and sank. His wife survived, but the family was lost. You can imagine this man, business has, has been bad, lost his family. And when he got on the ship to go over to London to join his wife, when the captain of the ship called him up, and said to him, you know, we're just about at the place in the ocean now where that ship sank with your wife and family. And H.P. Spafford went down to his cabin and he began to write the words of that beautiful and well-known hymn. When peace like a river attendeth my way. Though sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. You can have peace in heart and mind, even in the most difficult and disturbing of situations. So you can have peace in your mind and in your heart. Another element in this peace is the element of faith. 
the, the verse says that your heart and mind will be kept by the peace of God. The verse says the peace of God will keep your heart and mind safe. There is strength here. There is stability here. People with peace are strong. People with peace don't get moved very easily. Even in the midst of a storm, they're like a rock. Because they have peace in the center of things. Uh, even in the midst of confusion and difficulty, they are at peace. And that gives them strength because they believe, they trust, they know that God is with them because his peace is in their heart. Amen. You probably know the story about Jesus. I, I love this story. About Jesus and the storm. Jesus had spent all day uh, teaching, healing, preaching, casting demons out. And by the end of the day, he was physically and emotionally, I expect, exhausted. So he said to his disciples, let's get in a boat and let's go over to the other side of the lake where we'll get a little quietness. So the disciples got in a boat. Many of them were fishermen. Probably it was one of their boats. So they knew this lake of Galilee. They spent their life on it. And they knew how to run a boat and they knew how to fish. So they set sail. And what did Jesus do? Jesus went to the back of the boat and fell asleep. Tired, and he fell asleep. Well, at first, everything was going fine. But when he got out in the water a bit, uh, the wind began to blow, and a storm began to blow in. And that lake is famous for its storms. It's, it's a little below uh, sea level, and the, the storms and the winds can blow down the hill tunnels from the Mediterranean onto that lake of Galilee, and some very fierce storms can come up very quickly. So as they were out there, a storm began to come. The waves began to rock the boat, and the wind began to blow. And the disciples thought, we can handle this. We, we, we know these storms. And what was Jesus doing? He was asleep at the back of the boat. Well, things turned bad. The storm got a lot worse than the disciples had hoped for. And before long, the wind was howling and, and the, the waves were blowing over the edge of the boat. And, and, and the, the, the disciples were having trouble keeping the boat on line and keeping the boat straight. And in the midst of all the noise and the wind and the waves, what's Jesus doing? He's asleep at the back of the boat. 
Well, the disciples had never seen a storm like this, even though they spent their life on that sea. This storm was something special, and they began to be afraid. We might not make it. We might sink. The waves are pouring over the side. We're bailing out as best we can, and they were shouting at one another, and the wind was howling, and the waves were smashing, and the boat was almost ready to sink, and the, the disciples were in a panic. And what's Jesus doing? He's asleep at the back of the boat. All this going on. The, the disciples in a panic waken him. Lord, how can you sleep when all this is going on? We perish and you're sleeping. And so Jesus, you know the story. Jesus got in up and rebuked the wind and rebuked the waves and, and they all died down. But he then turned to his disciples and said to them, O ye of little faith, do you really think God would let us sink here? But Jesus was asleep at the back of the boat. In the midst of the storm, in the midst of the waves, in the midst of the howling of the wind, he was asleep. That's, he was at peace. The peace of God. And, and it gives you that inner strength, that inner stability, that inner grace, that even in the midst of a storm of life, you are kept by the peace of God in your heart and life. So, how do we get this peace, this peace of God? Well, keep in mind, what we're talking about is the peace of God in our hearts and in our minds. So the issue of whether we have peace or not revolves around what happens in your heart and what happens in your mind. And it really all gets down to relationships. What's happening in your heart between you and God? What's happening in your heart between you and other people? What's happening in your heart between you and yourself? And the peace of God is something we have in our hearts and in our minds. Now, our heart is defined as the, the seat of your affections. Your heart is where you decide that your real values are. Your heart is where you make the decisions that make you function as a person. In your heart, you decide what you'll live for, what's important, what's going to come first, it's in your heart that you make the crucial decisions about how you will live and what your attitudes will be. So peace of heart comes when you make the right decisions. Conflict and unrest comes when you make the wrong decisions in your heart. 
Some of you are at peace right now because of the decisions you have made in your heart about God, about other people, about the events of your life. Some of you are not at peace right now because of the decisions you have made in your heart about God and about others and about your, the events of life. To have the peace of God in your heart, you must make the right decisions about God. Decisions that bring your heart into harmony with the will of God. You in your heart, you welcome him. In your heart, you worship him. In your heart, you obey him. And his way becomes your way and his will becomes your will and you're not at cross purposes with God. You have decided to obey him and to follow him and to trust him. And when you make those decisions, your heart is at peace. And if there's a conflict between you and God, you may need to seek forgiveness. You may need to accept his redemption through Jesus Christ. You may need to obey him where you know you're not obeying him. But peace comes when our relationship with God is harmonious. Peace comes too with the decisions you make about your attitude towards other people. <clears throat> if, you, if you are going to decide that there is a hostility there or an anger there or a bitterness there and you are keeping it in your heart and there, there's an atmosphere of hatred and resentment towards others, you kind of nurse your wrath to keep it warm and, and you are aware of these, these false attitudes towards others, there'll be no peace. Peace comes to the human heart where there is a spirit of love, gentleness, forgiveness, care. If your heart is at war with others, cannot be at peace. You may need to make some decisions in your heart that are different towards others. You also need to make decisions in your heart about yourself. Maybe you've put yourself on the throne Maybe there's an attitude of pride and hunger for power and selfishness, then you will not be at peace. Love in the heart is gentle and serving and giving. The decisions of your heart determine whether your heart is at peace or not. And the decisions in your mind your mind, your heart is a decision-making function of your personality. Your mind is the thinking function. And in your mind, we have peace in heart and mind. 
you have peace in your mind because of how it thinks and what it thinks. If you have a mind that is full of worry and fear and anxiety, then you have no peace. If your thoughts are thoughts of lust or anger or resentment, there's no peace. If you are scheming in your mind how to get revenge or to get even, if you're mulling over grievances and hurts, then peace will not come. Peace comes to the mind that focuses on that which is good and clean and positive and godly. What you feed your mind Will, gradually de will largely determine whether you have peace there or not. Story came from the old days when the Indians uh, were alone over in this continent. And uh, in one Indian village, there was a lot of conflict, a lot of stress and unhappiness. And, and one little Indian boy was very upset. That, that people could be so nasty with one another. So he went to his grandfather, and he said to his grandfather, Grandfather, why are people so nasty with each other? The grandfather could tell that this was an important question from the boy, so he thought about it. And this was his answer. He said, you know, in every heart, in every person's heart, there are two wolves, a good wolf and a bad wolf. And they're always fighting for supremacy. And the one that gets supremacy determines how people act. The boy thought about that could see the sense in that. So he said, okay, grandfather, the, the, the two wolves are fighting in there. How do you know which one is going to win? And the father said, the wolf you feed will win. And the thoughts that you have in your mind what you feed them will determine whether you have peace or not. Jesus said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. In the verse that follows the verse we are talking about from Philippians chapter 3, uh, the apostle Paul gives us the verse we've talked about. The peace of God which passeth understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Then the very next verse, he goes on and he says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely, 
whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. That's how you'll get peace in your mind. So my great desire for you today is that you be a person of peace with the peace of God reigning in your heart and in your life. I'd like us to close by singing the hymn I quoted to you earlier on. When peace like a river attendeth my way, those sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot. Thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And it may be that today you know from the assurance in your heart that all is well. Praise God for that. It may be that in your heart today you know things are not right. And there are some decisions that you have to make some resentments you have to ask forgiveness for, some things you need to ask God to forgive, some things that you sense God's Holy Spirit is talking to you about. I would like, I would like to give the opportunity for you to come and just pray this morning so that you can stand and leave this church as a person who is at peace in their heart and in their life.